You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 859 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday, and most of today's show is part two of a discussion that I had with Ben Pfeiffer of the Prep to Pro NBA Draft podcast. If you missed it yesterday, we had part one with Ben talking about some of the second round options the Hawks might be considering at number 50 overall. Also, some potential trade down targets in the lottery if the Hawks were to move back in the NBA draft, and we'll have plenty more coming today when it comes to the top of the draft, both before the Hawks and, of course, we'll finish up with the number six overall pick and all the options that Atlanta is weighing at that spot. I also want to tell you that last week we were joined by Josh Lloyd, Brian Schroeder, and Jonathan Wasserman for NBA draft discussions. All those are still very relevant at this point in time. If you missed any of those podcasts. And as I record this right now, we are nine days away from the NBA draft. By the way, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we're eight days away. So it's a great time to subscribe and and rate review and tell your friends about the show. All kinds of evergreen content on the feed still right now. And we're ripping up the rest of this week and into next week on the NBA Draft. So thank you, as always, for joining us. Before we get to Ben, I will tell you about our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, I can break through it right now with Built Go every single day. And Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and it's natural. Built Go is easy to take a one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase or golf bag or your pocket, get you through whatever you're facing today. Built Go is essentially a five hour energy without the same feeling of a crash. Plus, it's natural and it's better for the body as a result. And there are three delicious flavors to choose from in chocolate, mint, peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut. Bilgo is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners to the podcast will perhaps know that I have multiple jobs that I have to tend to on a regular basis. And sometimes I need a little bit extra to get through the day and the night, but Built Go is a fantastic solution to break through my own wall in order to try it for yourself. Visit BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Ben, welcome back to the podcast. We are still recording from part one, but uh, it's part two now. Thank you for being here. I'm back. Uh, I missed you all like 30 seconds. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so part two is going to be more of the uh, of the sexy NBA draft talk when it comes to the top of the draft. We got nerdy in part one, which is on brand for us, I think. But uh, part two, the usual suspects uh, that we, we've been talking about this entire time. I want to start at the top top before the Hawks pick. Just to sort of let people know what uh, sort of where your head's at with this, you know, post lottery. Because when we talked last, um, you know, six seven months ago, uh, we didn't know the lottery results. So there's a lot that has changed since then, in, in through at least that prism. Uh, where are you at on the number one debate? Is as to the I guess there is one um, because of the weirdness there with Minnesota and yeah. Who's I your, think who's your guy? There certainly is. Um... Uh, this year, I, depending on like which team got number one, um, there's like a, a like I, I think you can make a case for like four or five guys at number one, and like I'd like yeah, I get that. Minnesota, like I don't really like like any of the top guys for them. I've like been on the record about this. Like if if I had control of of Minnesota for just the draft, um, which I, I make myself I give myself that caveat because if I had like autonomous control i just trade d'angelo russell and take Lamelo. but um i would take devin Vassell for them because i think he fits perfectly and gives them long-term upside where like denny wouldn't but um that's not gonna happen i i think my top prospect in this draft is Lamelo ball has been since like january or december um it's been a, it's been a year of of of, of, of lameloing for me um, I I think he's pretty clearly the top prospects in this draft. Though I have him in a tier with Killian Hayes at the top because Killian's fantastic. I just don't think anyone in this class has uh, like the 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 offensive centerpiece kind of upside that Lamelo has, which is what you want with the top pick. Um, unless you're just getting like an all-time role player prospect, like like I don't know, like Jaron Jackson or someone like that. But um, Lamelo, I mean, just like the the passing. Uh, is ridiculous. Like generational passer and ball handler at six foot eight. Uh, with I think uh, you know I'm more I'm optimistic enough on the shot where like it doesn't have to be like elite in percentage to, to like to really be good like all he needs is like volume and 34 percent um like I, I, like Luca shot 31.8 percent from three on like 10 threes a game and he still bends defenses though he only makes 31 percent of them like 
I think I think Lamelo can like definitely hit that efficiency mark on that volume, and in that case, given his, you know, the elite passing, um, I think as he adds strength, the scoring gets better. That's like the biggest issue to me. It's just the frame is really bad, um, to where like I think his burst is not great, but it's not like horrible. But because he gets bumped off his spot every time he tends to drive, every time he tries to drive, it doesn't work. Uh, I think the floater game is going to be wicked, which is going to be a nice outlet for him. I don't think he's ever going to be like a good or a great finisher, but I don't think he'll ever really need to be. And, and then defensively, like I actually kind of like him as a defensive prospect. I think the ceiling is like a genuine plus, considering he's like six foot eight, very young, and like obviously a genius, and has never played defense ever before um, the NBL. Like that's not just like a, like a. Uh, like a hyperbole. No, actually like, hasn't. Like, really like, hasn't. <laughs> like, 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 he actually really never played defense. Like, at Spire, well, first, like, at Geno Hills, that they, like, played, like, the gimmicky full-court press. At Spire, they just, like, parked Lamelo in the corner, or in, in the corner, on, on the block, and had him swipe his stuff. So, I really like his defensive potential, even though, like, I think he's going to be, like, a, a pretty atrocious defender early in his career, as he still figure out, like, figures out how to play, like, professional basketball defense. But I think, like, playing for a professional team, like, really helped him or was really beneficial for his defensive trajectory because uh, I think he definitely learned a lot mechanically and fundamentally and technically, whereas I think a lot of college defenses wouldn't have required him to do that um, because, like, you know, he's LaMelo and he's their star, whereas, like, if you're going like, to, like, in the um, in, in the, uh, like, LaMelo, if you're going to play, um, you are going to, like, learn how to get through a screen, even though, like, he's still not good at it, but, like, like they're going to make him try. <laughs> Um, so I think there's certainly quite a bit of defensive upside. And then, like, the other thing with Lamelo is even if he doesn't hit that top-end outcome, I think there's, like, a reasonable median outcome as, like, a linking player. Like, with the, the, the passing is always going to be elite. The ball handling is always going to be elite. I think the shot is the seal. Like, the median is fine enough. Like, funnily enough, I kind of see, like, Lamelo's median and Halliburton's ceiling as kind of the same. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I like Lamelo a ton. I think he's, like, a pretty... Like he, he he's like a low end number one pick to me, but like he's still like a good one for this draft. Yeah, I think we're pretty close there. I, I would if I'm the Wolves, if I if you made me makes make the picket one, I would just take I would just take Lamelo. Um, I, I would probably try to trade it pretty actively. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, and that's not like breaking news. That's kind of the opinion a lot of people have. But same for the Warriors. I, I think the Warriors are in a similar spot where there are guys who make a ton of sense for the Warriors, like Denny and like Halliburton and guys that they've been linked to that I just wouldn't want to take it to if I could help it. Um, Vassell, like tons of guys that would make sense for the Warriors, uh, but not necessarily at two. Uh, and I guess they could just take Anthony Edwards or whatever, but it wouldn't uh, be my favorite thing in the world. So that, I think both the top two teams have to – Think about trying and trade it. The Hornets are the Hornets and seem to want James Wiseman. Um, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen there. Uh, we, we, you know what, Ben? Let's not do the Wiseman thing on this podcast. I refuse. <laughs> moving on. Okay. Mo- moving on from there. Uh, so I, I want to. I want to say no to that. <laughs> yeah, we should, we've all done it too many times at this point. Um, then you have the Bulls and the Cavs who are ahead of the Hawks, and those teams. I feel like there's a lot more uncertainty to some level. We know who they probably will be considering, but. What do you think? This is uh, put put your GM at, your GM hat on. What would you be trying to do if you're the Bulls and the Cavs? If we let's just assume the big three um, in mainstream circles, and that means Ball, Wiseman, and Edwards are gone in the top three in some order. Um, what 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 do the Bulls and the Cavs do? Because obviously the Hawks yeah. have to care about that. I think there's like a very blindingly obvious pick for both teams, and that's Killian Hayes for the Bulls, and then Isaac Okoro for the Cavs. Like, I think both of those picks are, like, incredibly easy and obvious assuming they fall, which I think, like, like there's a pretty high chance that I think that like, both of those prospects are, like, like, maybe, like, the Warriors or somebody, like, take Denny or, like, some, or Obi or somebody random and mess up the, the or, like, the, the kind of chalk projection, but, yeah, I think Killian Hayes at four is, like, clear value, clear second best prospect in this class with more upside than he gets credit for. Um, I just and, want. And yes, like, by the somebody... way, you, you said you said second best. I, I want to clarify because I know I know that you feel that way. But yes. people are probably going to be surprised by that. I think. Yeah, second best prospect in the class. I don't think that's too much of a hot take for like draft Twitter, but like for obviously for like for, for the consensus, it certainly isn't a common opinion. Um, like I just want somebody to like get the ball out of Zach Levine and Kobe White's hands, like on a possession by possession basis. Like, and I think Killian Hayes like. While not like your offensive centerpiece, like certainly could be a lead guard of the future next to like another creator, which the Bulls don't have, but the Bulls are far away and you don't exactly have to worry about that right now. Um, this is the best player available clearly to me. 
um, both offensively and maybe like I, I think he has like all league defense upside uh, at the guard spot with you know just elite team defense digging at the nail making rotations. Um, the point of attack defense has improved from atrocious to genuinely good in ju- just a year, um, and like he's like legitimately huge, like six foot five and long and strong um, as a one defender. And then offensively, like um, I think. It's going to be a learning curve for him trying to adjust to playing off the ball since he's never really done that and he doesn't really is not good at spot ups and he's not good at cutting and relocation and just understanding off ball angles. But that's like a teachable skill. Um, what like you can't teach obviously is first of all the passing, which despite his lack of a right hand is is high high level like really really good stuff. Like like the Bulls don't really have like a legitimate playmaker on the roster um, in terms of passing. Like, unless I'm blanking on somebody, which I very well uh, might be. Uh, shout out to Wendell Carter. But um, <laughs> Killian Hayes certainly is that guy. And the scoring has improved, like, so, so much over this last year or so to where he's, like, hitting step-back threes now. He's expanded his range. The change of direction and burst, like, the, athle- the athletic improvements are really what stands out. So he's, like, legitimate kind of like a change of direction guy. And that combines with the fact that he's, like, just massive um, and just can, like, go through guys and go over guys with his touch and strength. Um, and like using like deceleration and body control to finish, um, kind of like um, you know we've talked about this on my podcast, like in this like in the same mold as like Culver and Mason Jones, but a lot better than those guys, and in the same mold as like Luca and Harden, but like infinitely worse than those guys, um, in that type of um, like slashing and paint scoring. Um, just to be clear, those are not comparisons. Um, those are just stylistic um, scoring analogs. Not comparisons. Yeah, I mean, like, Killian is just an incredible prospect. Um, I think, like, would be is BPA for the Bulls. Like, BPA for me, and just, like, kind of a no-brainer pick, where, like, the Bulls don't really have, like, any, like, super glaring, like, holes on the, like, roster. Like, like, like they, have some, they, have some, they have some pieces. Yeah, it's interesting but. to me, actually, because I th- I know I mocked Killian to Chicago once uh, uh, for my dime mock drafts that I have to do, and it, I thought it made a lot of sense, to be honest with you, and then I got some pushback, like, that's just kind of not an opinion that people are looking at, but I'm actually with you on this. I think it's maybe not a no-brainer as much as you think it is, but I think that's a investment that makes sense. I know they have, I know they drafted Kobe White last year, and that's kind of, I'm sure, the pushback, just on yeah. paper, but Kobe White yeah. is someone who could play with Killian Hayes. Like, yeah, I mean, much. I'm just, exactly, like, like, I'm just not a believer of, like, because you drafted X guard, don't draft X guard um, next year. Like, and they also fit together. Even if he's like, better. <laughs> yeah, well, like, they can play together. I mean, I don't love their fit at the moment just because, like, I don't think either of them I really want off the ball. But, like, I think Killian becomes a good off-ball player eventually, and, like, I'm sure Kobe could be one. I mean, I don't, like, love Kobe in the, like, long-term anyways. I think he's, like, more of, like, a like a microwave spark plug type. Like I actually, I like, agree with that. And also people that, so I know, I know you know this, but people just overlook the fact that this is a new front office. Like they're, they're not yeah. married to Kobe white in any way, yeah, shape or form. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't have any like material attachment to him. Um, I think like, like idealized Kobe white is like probably like slightly better Zach Levine. Like, yeah. Kobe white's a pretty decent prospect, but yeah, like, he's like, not, like you, you, you don't, like you don't, you don't draft guys like around guard. Him. He's just like he's just like a scoring guard that like isn't like going to be an elite scoring guard like and like those just aren't like that that valuable. Well, it's 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 very it's very similar and it hasn't come up necessarily now because of where they landed in the lottery. But if the Cavs had won the lottery, it would have been an all time discussion about what they're supposed oh to do because they yeah. just drafted back to back point guards and those guys neither of them are worth building around. Yeah. Um. And I was I was dreading it honestly in some ways just because like can you imagine if the Cavs win the lottery and they're choosing between. I, I mean, maybe they just take Wiseman. I have no idea. What, I still what probably take Coro number one for them. If we're being honest, yeah. <laughs> but Coro uh, is a guy that I think the Cavs have to consider. They probably are considering, and he's obviously a popular fit with Atlanta. We'll, then we'll talk about that in a second. But I agree that if the Cavs, if the board breaks normally, I would probably send Coro to Cleveland in my own personal mock draft scenario. Maybe maybe that's something like a Kongwu or something like that. But Coro, they just. I mean, with, with the way that they've built so far. And the same front office there, you gotta find something that can, that yeah. can play defense. I think a Coro like <laughs> a Coro like slides in with what they're doing if they want to continue. Well, and they but, again, it's the but, same front office. Yeah. They have some sort of but plan, you would think. Want, but but if they want to like like finally try to right this train wreck, 
like uh, Okoro fits in like a blank slate kind of vision um, where like he he fits because the Cavs like don't have any like reliable wing defense long term. Um, Okoro has all NBA defensive potential like on the ball so strong vaporizes screens much better off the ball than you know I think he gets credit for sometimes because um, Auburn kind of like played him as Richard Sherman and just said go like don't let this guy catch the ball. Um, and then he just didn't let the guy catch the ball. Um, so his like playmaking and range was 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 weakened um, from when like when you watch him in high school, you're like this guy's an all-time playmaker, like all time. But was didn't show that in, in, in at Auburn. And then like offensively, like yes, the shooting is an issue, but like the Cavs have like plenty of shooters and like shot creators off the balance. Like all three of their main prospects, like their thing is like shot creation. Um, it's, it's like, it's, it's funny. Cause like Kevin Porter, like Garland and Sexton, they're all like shot creators who like, aren't good enough to be like the shot creator. So, uh, it, it's, it's not very ideal, but like, uh, like you need someone who can actually like create plays for others. And Okoro is like the best wing passer in the draft. Um, or at least he's up there. And like, I really like the offense as well. Like the scoring upside as well. Like, um, just the slashing could be so good with his strength and burst and ambidextrous finishing and the vertical explosion and the handle, which has legitimately improved from being like notably bad in high school to like notably pretty solid um, by the end of his season in Auburn, where he was breaking down guys off the dribble and such. So I don't think he needs to be anything more than just like a below league, like a slightly below league average shooter to be a really valuable player on both ends. And then yeah, like meshes so well with like Garland and Sexton and Kevin Porter to where he amplifies their best skills. Um, but also is like a plug and play guy in, in any system defensively. And, you know, I, I think he's not as plug and play offensively just because of the, because of the shooting deficiency. But if you're going to take him in the top five, uh, if you're investing in Isaac Okoro in the top five, you're probably going to be willing to, to concede a little bit of offense to, or concede a little bit of your offense to maximize him. So, yeah, I mean, that's like kind of a no-brainer pick. Uh, like, like there are other prospects that if they took them, like you said, like a Kongwu, if they took Poku or Vassell, I'd be like, I, I understand. Even like Patrick Williams, maybe. Um, I, I'd get it. But like Okoro just makes too much sense there. Yeah, I, I generally agree. I want to ask you about Okoro through the prism of the Hawks, which we'll do in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. All right, Ben, we're, we're talking about Isaac Okoro for Cleveland, but if for some reason he doesn't go there. Um, he's been a popular mock target to the Hawks. Everything you just said generally applies. Of course, the, the situation is a little bit different. They're building around Troy Young, a guy who actually can carry the offense and be that number one guy, etc. Do you like the idea of Okoro in Atlanta? Um, because clearly he could be available, and the Hawks are, have been linked to him before. Yes, I do. I don't like him as much as like Vassell, but I certainly do like him. Just like from a value spot, I think it's good. Um, I mean, obviously, like you want your wings in Atlanta to be spot, to be spot up shooters, and a Coral probably isn't at least not right away. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be as good as they want him to. But it's like with how many good things he brings, like offensively, I think he can like legitimately like generate some offense with without Trey, um, which like for like a defensive specialist prospect, kinda is is kind of rare. So I, I mean I think he works like he's not like as seamless as a fit with with what they with like their, with what they need than Vassell, but certainly like incredibly talented and not a bad fit like 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 it can't hurt to have another elite like on ball wing defender and very plus team defender like it's it's not gonna hurt them, um and then just have another like dribble pass wing with maybe shooting uh it's certainly like 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 the other component is like dribble pass finish slash like draw fouls, um. I mean, yeah, like Trey plus a Coro is like like all of the free throws. Um, so yeah, I think he's I think uh, he's underrated. The fact that you know everyone talks about his defense. I think everyone generally agrees to some extent about his defense and the offense. Everyone talks about the shooting, which I understand as well. But I think he is pretty clearly underrated and everything else offensively. Oh, That's kind of where I am with him now. I think I, I buy the rim attack. I buy him getting in the free throw line. I buy the passing. Yeah. I buy the ball I handling. Mean, you can't make the free throws, and that's another thing, but like... True. Uh, but it's, I, it's not a disaster, I, I, though. Well, like, he's not like a completely broken guy at the line. Yeah. Like, he's like a... Not like Precious. Like, I invoked Precious in like the last part, but like, he's not Precious bad as a shooter. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, he should be like high 60s from the free throw line. I think it's kind of like his mid or... 75% and like that's good enough if he has like a 60 free throw rate. Yep. 
Um, I don't know. I, I I just buy the offense. I think there is definitely an argument that in Atlanta, the way that they have been playing the last couple of years is not a great fit for him because it's been a lot of you know just high screen roll with Trey and you, you you what you don't want is a core standing around and spacing yeah. the floor. That's, I'd like to see like yeah. I think if you invest in a Coro, I'd like to see them try to experiment a little more with Trey off the ball because I think there's like certainly potential for him to be kind of devastating. And they um, want they want to do that. But the, yeah. the thing is, I mean, you know this very well, but they, they've talked about it. Everyone agrees Trey could be great off the ball. It's just them talking about it and them doing as is different. And put you know the obvious reason why they have it is that they haven't had anybody to get him off the ball. They haven't yeah. had anybody to handle the ball. But there's also the fact that, you know, he has to be willing to move off the ball as well. Like yeah. if you're if you're a guy who's been as successful as he's been get, getting numbers and having having all that usage. Yeah. I and think being you gotta like have a guy to like right. actually make that's it what work. I think too. Like, I think you have to have well, someone who's good enough to do be it. That guy. Like like as good as I think a coral can be like you need someone like very solid on the ball. It's like make it worth moving Trey off ball, but just because of how deadly he is, you know, creating his own advantages. Um, I mean, I think a Coral certainly could be, and like, I, I, it's certainly not a bad thing to give Trey, Trey like the occasional break um, from from carrying the offense. You know, just like have him like run off a screen or two, um, or just like do some other sort of off ball motion thing while you let a Coral drive. Um, like that certainly wouldn't be a bad thing to do every once every, I don't know, 10 possessions, but like, yeah, just so, I mean, I'm not, and it's funny. Every time I bring this up, somebody thinks that I'm like talking about, you know, putting Trey off the ball permanently. Like, no, you just want to have him not have a 40% usage rate. It's just good to have options. Right. And, and it's, it's actually a compliment of him and the fact that we all agree he could be just awesome off the ball because he's such a good shooter. He has, he has such good gravity. And when he wants to move, he, he can certainly get open and do that kind of stuff. I don't know. I buy that. I'm not saying that's the plan, but I do think that in general, if you're drafting a Coro, you need to have a plan to use him on offense. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he's not like, again, like, like very much not a plug and play, but I think that's kind of understood where like, unlike with someone like Neesmith, I think, um, I, I do think it's pretty understood that a, that you need like a plan with a Coro. And like, it, it's certainly a good thing that he's going in the top five or six because that means a team is going to be committed to a plan or at least more likely than if you went in like the late lotto or even lower or you're not likely to like have a plan or a scheme for a prospect you take at 15 or 16 oh i i should have uh, said this before but i just i just popped in my popped in my head it's actually one of my pet things why wouldn't the warriors consider isaac Koro? I think they. I think they certainly should. I feel like, like if, I, I feel. Think, I feel like it'd be like sneaky awesome through the prism of they run this very egalitarian offense. They have the great spacing around him. He could just be like in the Iguodala role and like go crazy. And like, why wouldn't that work? I don't know. Yeah, that would be really fun. Actually, I I'd like that a lot. I mean, I think the Warriors actually have like a lot of good options quietly. Like, yes, I think you know, the best option is trade down. But look, for, I would, for any like, of these guys, that's, that's the thing. Right. All the guys that fit there, from Denny to Halliburton right. to Okoro, yeah. and they, you, you could, could, you could, you should be able to get them lower. It's just yeah, right. Like that's a spot I like. Like I actually like Anthony Edwards. That spot, like I've talked about that before. Like I would probably just take Edwards too if I if I had to. I would, but as like well. certainly, certainly Okoro, I would like Vassell. I would like like that. It's, yeah, like. Like, that would be certainly fun to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a Coro in like a heavy motion offense is what you want. Right. It just it just reminded me of that because of what we were talking about. But that's like kind of the perfect system for him in every single yeah. possible way. To be honest with you, on yeah, both, on like, both that ends. Will get him to like Utah, which yeah, I guess gonna... so. But anyway, uh, I like a Coro. He's someone that I firmly think that they should be considering at six. I'm not sure. They, I'm not. So, I'm not saying that they have to take him, but he sure he certainly should be on the list of guys they should. Uh, be considering. I know we talked about Vassell on uh, part one, and I know you're kind of all in there as a guy that they should be considering at six. Um, you, we, we mentioned Halliburton, but let's talk about him for a second now, because I think of all the mock drafts that I have seen, he is the most popular fit um, in Atlanta, and I'm, I don't hate it, and I don't love it by any means. So what do you, where are you at with that? Like, if I told you the Hawks drafted Tyrese Halliburton at six, what would your reaction be? Uh, I mean... It's not the worst fit, if we're being honest. Like, no, not at all. Like we said, like the Hawks need spot-up shooters uh, and defensive playmakers. And that's like the only thing that Halliburton's, I think, are some of the only things he's good at. Um, I just like the value there at four, at six is way too high. I just don't think it gives that much impact. Um, Halliburton, uh, like I, I think Atlanta's one of his better fits if he is going to go high because he's not going to be tasked with any offensive creation. And he has like wing defenders to help him out. 
where like Halliburton, like I kind of alluded to earlier, I, I think Halliburton's ceiling is like Lamelo's median, as like an awesome linking player with excellent passing, kind of like I mean like he, he gets the Lonzo comp a lot. I think where that is like accurate is in role comparison, less than like actual like straight skills, where like you know a, a guy who can pass off of closeouts and in transition, run a secondary pick and roll, you know be a, be a great spot up shooter make you know make big plays on defense big rotations um but like Hallie I just got a lot of concerns I think like I've seen people talk about Hallie as a potential prospect who um is one of these guys who can run offense um like with 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 Trey off the ball or without Trey I just don't think that I think that can be further from the truth um I mean he could certainly like play make but you need some kind of scoring gravity to make that playmaking legitimate and actually, like, make a defense scared of it. Or, like, Halliburton has no handle. He has no burst. Incredibly weak. Uh, he's not going to be a good finisher, though. But, like, he finished well, but he had, like, so few rim attempts in college. Um, and, like, the vertical explosion, the strength, I think is obviously going to have so many struggles to finish. Um, the pull-up jumper is weak. Like, like you, you saw some good teams, like, do what I think teams could do to Halliburton. Like, you saw Baylor just play the pass and back off of Halliburton, and he was atrocious on offense. Um, like, like, he's just not going to be able to do anything running an NBA offense. And then defensively, like, I, I have a decent amount of concern because, like, beyond just, like, the, the frame, which, like, I think there are some physical concerns, like his high hips and narrow shoulders that you can't really fix. Like, he, he can get stronger, of course, but, like, the, the technique is also just really bad. Like, the closeouts are bad. Like, like he's, like, like his perimeter rotations, like, leave a lot to be desired. Um, just, like, the minutia, like, the play-to-play defensive stuff um, really isn't that great. Where, like, he does obviously have the splashy plays because he's kind of a basketball genius. Which, I, I think those overshadow, like, the, the more minute parts of team defense, which, to me, are more important than, like, the, the big plays. Um, like just because those are the things that happen on, on every possession and like create sound, uh, sound cohesive defensive units. Um, like I would understand it. Like if there was any team that was gonna take Halliburton in the top ten, um, like and I'd be like fine. Um, I mean I'm I'm not counting Phoenix. I think the top nine really. I'd be like, <laughs> like because I think they're a little too late. Like if ten, I'd be like whatever. Um, if they took him in six, I'd be like, yeah. If I squint. Um, like, like the fit in Golden State, I think is good, but like two is just absurd for him in value wise. Like, but, um, six, if you took him like, yeah, I'll squint and, and I get it like, sure. But that would certainly not be my favorite selection. Yeah. I think that's how I feel for the most part, at least broadly speaking. I, I, I've always really enjoyed Halliburton and I think he would help the Hawks. I think he would fit pretty well. I think that he does things that the Hawks could use. And I also think that I, I worry about the lack of upside a little bit. I do like the stuff that he does though. Like he's the kind of player that I'm always going to like because he does a lot of little yeah, things he's very like, well. He's like aggressively draft Twitter. Yeah. And you know, the shooting and the the basketball IQ, the passing, like everything that the off ball defense, everything that he does, I, I liked and I've always liked him. And it just, it just got a little bit too far for me, which is okay. I mean, but I talk to people all the time that have him in their top five and I just, I can't get there. Um, yeah. So no. I, I mean, he's like a, pretty good prospect he's like not someone i'm like crazy interested in honestly like again i think like he'd benefit from like having maxi stock um and like going to a team that can actually handle him like well yeah it's funny because i I know i know that you'll say you rather have maxi but if you polled people around the league like a lot i would say most if not all of them would choose halliburton and i i don't i don't i'm definitely closer i'm not i'm not as in on maxi as you are but i think still you could argue for maxi pretty easily and no one's no one's doing that though yeah. It's just interesting to me. I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the only real, like, anti-Maxi argument there is, like, if you think he's just not going to shoot, which, like, is kind of ridiculous to me. But, like, if like if you don't think Maxi's going to shoot, then, like, yeah, like, I, I would see Halliburton. But, like... It does, it does intrigue me, though, that, it, you know, one is seen as very obvious and a very popular mock fit, and that's Halliburton, of course. And the other is, like, you would be seen as crazy if you suggested Maxi at six right now. Yeah. And it's just kind of, that's funny to me. I don't know. It's one of those examples of, in this class where the gap shouldn't, even if you think that Halliburton's better, um, and you don't, I know, but even if you did, the gap is just not very big there. It's just not. Yeah, um, no. So, okay, I know you prefer Vassell or, or Okoro to Halliburton. I wanted to ask you about two guys that we've talked about and around, one of them more than the others. 
where would you stand on the Hawks drafting Killian? Because I know you love Killian. Um, he might be there for them. And I, I've been talking about him, about the Hawks and Killian more than most have been, because I think, again, he might just be available at six. And at some point you got to be considerate of taking him. But there, every time I bring it up, somebody tells me I'm crazy. So would you consider if he's just there at six, just taking Killian and going from there? Absolutely. I mean, if he's there at six, that means like, some of the guys like Vassell, like Okoro, or like Poku, maybe like might not be. Um, again, like I think from a fit perspective, there's like a few better options. But considering like I value Killian as the second best prospect in this class, with with no close, with not that close of a third. Um, yeah, I'd love Killian in, in in Atlanta. I mean, the for the the value at six is just fantastic to me. I mean, again, like the big thing, like Killian can't play off the ball really. And that's obviously which, the huge question yeah, with Killian which in, is in like, Atlanta. <laughs> he, he, but that's like I, I think that's a pretty malleable skill, if we're being honest. Like, um, all like all like, like I don't think Atlanta will require much like complex off ball off ball movement from him. Like just 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 like learn how to hit spot ups consistently, which is not rocket science, especially for someone who's already a good three point shooter off the bounce and has great touch. Well, and you would know this. You would know this for sure on some level. But I think there's this very 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 popular ideal for the Hawks. Um, at six or otherwise, but to get a player that can both run the second unit and also play with Trey. Yeah. That and there's just none of those guys. Well, and that's the thing is, and you probably heard this too, there's the idea that Halliburton is that guy. Yeah. And really, if you're trying to, if I'm not telling you have, that you have to do this exactly, this exactly in the draft, but if that was your goal specifically in this class, it it's clearly Killian, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it has to be Killian because like, I, I I mean either Killian or Lamelo I guess but like you're not gonna get Lamelo. Um, honestly, Ant as well. I think long term, sh- short term, not as much on the ball. But I think long term, like all like the top three guys, like are all the top three guys for that. Um, but like the only one you can realistically get is Killian. Um, because like Cole Anthony's not that. Um, Tyrese Halliburton's not that. I don't think Kyra Lewis is that, though some might think he is. I think um, that, um, and by the way, I, I should have asked you this before in part one. I, I actually think that Cole Anthony, as a, if they traded down, would be kind of interesting. I would totally enjoy him as a trade-on option. Just like all the pull-up threes. Like, what? And I think he's actually kind of underrated as like a off-ball player and as a defender, potentially. He's, sure. He's, he he's kind of strong. and Good off-ball. He, he has some really good off-ball moments. I, I think he's kind of like Halliburton. Where like he has some like really good splashy plays, um, but like the the consistency and like the play to play stuff is, is it needs a lot of work. But like that stuff that it can improve, um, and it's like uh, like much rather start with the base of being having those like playmaking instincts and and building on them than the opposite. Right. Um. I like I actually like Cole like a decent bit defensively just because like he is like really vertically explosive off of two and strong like you said. But like back to Killian. Yeah. I think he's the like. In the world of realism, like the guy who I think can definitely develop the playoff of Trey, though he's certainly not there yet. Like in a couple of years, I think he could be definitely the guy who can run your offense. Sands Trey, like not like a guy who can like run uh, a championship level offense. I think that's pretty obvious. Well, like as a second unit, as a second unit oh, creator, though, like he's on. probably he's probably overqualified for that. If we're being honest, right? He's. Um, I, I think the median for. Maybe not medium, but I think a reasonable outcome for Killian is like, you know, m- middle of the road or better starting point guard in the league. And yeah. um, if that guy is your second unit creator that's also playing alongside the best, you know, always one of the best yeah. point guard creators in the league. I mean, and again, that, like, you know, makes sense. Like, like five, there are five players on a basketball court. Like, like not only one guy touches the ball, like Killian will get opportunities even if like, even like. Because like, like even in possessions, like like some possessions have like four pick and rolls. Like, like it's not just like as like one player gets one possession. I, I feel like some people reduce it to that. Oh, well, and, and absolutely, you're absolutely right. Especially because the the last year's Hawks uh, were at about as heavily as <laughs> sort of reliant on one player to create offense as anyone's ever been, and there were still opportunities where other guys are having to create and that's what bit them last year because when Trey was creating everything was good it was every everything every time he wasn't creating basically uh it was a mess yeah both when he was on the court on the court off the court so it's just interesting to me that Killian I'm not again I'm not saying that they have to draft Killian but 
I feel like I'm kind of on an island talking about how they should consider it. Cause yeah, I mean, he is would be as good a pick as any they could get at six. Like, I mean, like this, we're talking about the offense. Like, he's like probably like might be the best guard defender in the draft. Honestly, like I think he probably is. Um, there's probably there might be someone I'm I'm spacing on, but like Josh, like like all of like I, like considering or counting Josh Green as a wing defender uh I mean like the best guard defenders in the, in the draft are like are like he and Bomaro. Yeah, I, um, and I, I I I'm sure people will be surprised to hear you say that cuz you know I like I like Killian's defense too, but that's not something that's not something you hear from a lot of different no. people. I know you like it a lot and I think he's going to be a good defender, but you, I think you're even higher than than I am because I don't know. Most of the time you don't hear I think probably because he's kind of a limited athlete relatively speaking. You wouldn't assume, yeah. But you don't like side. need top end athleticism to be an elite guard defender. Like you don't need top ten like vertical or horizontal explosion. Like Killian is big, he's strong, he's laterally quick though, not like crazy explosive. Um, and like on ball defense, like he's good enough. But like his his value comes off the ball where he's like super smart and long and like a terror attacking the nail and like makes great rotations and like is legitimately disruptive. Um, while not being super mistake prone and crazy young, like and and like I said, big and long and strong, like he's got like utility both on and off the ball, where he can like also probably defend up. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he can defend some like weaker threes because he's just massive. Like yeah, he's strong too. I mean yeah, not not the not the big. He's not gonna guard Kawhi, but no, a, nor- a normal a normal size three, sure. Like why why couldn't he guard absolutely that guy? like um. So yeah, I think we're closer. Uh, like Killian Hayes could absolutely check like Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter. Like, oh sure, I mean, well, I think we're close there. I, I know you're higher on Killian than I am, but I, I still like Killian quite a bit. And I wanted to make sure we talked about him a little bit for the Hawks, just because he's not often brought up. I do want to make sure we get to a couple a couple guys quickly that we've not talked about for Atlanta. Um, one of them is a fit. Well, actually, I guess they're both fit concerns at some level. Um, a Kongwu is a guy that I, if you went best player available, might be my choice depending on how the top five breaks but of course there's the fit question there with the investment in capella etc and the other guy uh is obi toppin um who has been mocked to atlanta a couple different times and if john collins didn't exist i would understand it but um yeah broadly speaking ben what do you what are your thoughts on either one of those options um at six if the hawks are just gonna sit there and do and just make the pick I mean, I prefer a Kongu because I think he's a significantly better prospect. But just like investing in a big, like especially like like one that's like not very special, because like there are no very special bigs in this class. Like when you have when you just traded for Clint Capella and you have John Collins, I mean, I don't know what they want to do with him, but like he's a good player and he's like improving. I know, so it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, like like a Kongu does give you things that you don't have, like. He's probably like more coverage versatile in the pick and roll than Capella and, and Collins will ever be, or like, or at his ceiling. Like that's the, that's the main selling point where he's like true coverage versatile big. Those are like invaluable deep in the playoffs. Um, but like as like offensively, like John Collins is already in like a, a pretty exceptional role man, uh, and that's I think Onyeka's like clearest path. Uh, Onyeka probably projects as like a better face up scorer than Collins, probably about even as a passer, I'd say. Um, shooter, I mean, again, I think probably not as good as Collins. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to invest in Onyeka, though, like, I think the value would be okay. I don't like him as much. I, like, I have him, like, eighth-ish on my board just because I'm not as enamored with his top end ups with his upside. But, like, he's certainly, like, a very good prospect. Like, no doubt. I think he's might be, like, probably the safest bet to be a good NBA player in this draft, which is worth something. This doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, like, like, Obi Toppin makes even less sense to me. I, I agree with that. I, I will say that. I mean, yeah. even if you are really high on Obi, and which I I'm not. I, I like the offense a lot, but even if yeah. you ha- even I think you have to really right. I was gonna say his offense is pretty undisputably going to be pretty good. I just think that even if you are pretty high on Obi and see him as a maybe a top five guy, which I probably don't, um, it just seems so obviously a bad fit in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, like the, o- the only way that it makes sense. I've said this before. I'll say it again now for anyone that's new listening. The only way it makes any sense is if they're already going to trade Collins. Like, the only yeah. way that, that's even defensible yeah. to me. If they, like, take Obi and, like, trade Collins immediately, then, like, okay. But, but I even then, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, like, advise that. It's just that no. that's the only way like, that it I makes any Obi sense. I don't think going to be better than John Collins. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, right. I think there is a chance, 
but it's a very, very, very small one. And anyone, think- anyone projecting it is crazy. I mean, that's the thing that I've always said about Toppin, and it's not a shot at him because he's, you know, he's he's still a good prospect. It's just the fact that if if I think a, I think a very high end outcome for Obi Toppin is current John Collins, and like. Well, and they're, I, I, they're, they're the same age right now. That is true. I mean, they're different. Like, I think Obi, like, 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 if if we just kind of pretended Capella and Collins didn't exist, like, makes a ton of sense as like a five offensively with with Trey. Oh, sure. I mean, Obi is fundamentally a complimentary big, and like, it's just really hard to bring top end offensive value as a complimentary big. I mean, if you look at like PIPM running metric, like the only real bigs that bring that like serious value are like Giannis and, and Jokic and Towns and, and Embiid, um, like guys who genuinely run good offenses. Like Obi's not that. He doesn't have the off dribble creation. Um, he, yes, he hit like one step back. He hit a cool step back three against Kansas. Yes, that was also his only like pull up, pull up jumper make of the entire season. Um, like he's not an off dribble creator to me at all, but what he is, is an elite complimentary big man. I think as a short roll passer with Trey, he'd be devastating. Agreed. Um, I think as a post scorer, um, as a roll man with the, the vertical explosion and the touch and the contortion and the ambidextrous finishing, all of that would be really, really great. It's not like the he, offense, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, like if you just like said, like, like, like I said, like if Collins and Capella didn't exist and you, you wanted it and like an offensive big man to play with Trey. Like it's hard to really come up with a lot of better options than Obi Toppin. Like, I actually, I actually fun. strongly agree with that, but it's just, yeah. it's just the context of it yeah. all. And then we get to the obvious caveat, like, which is like, you just cannot afford another atrocious defender. If you're the Hawks, like you just can't. Well, like, that's, that's honestly, it's crazy because, and I, I know people didn't really watch the Hawks as much this year, and I get why they were pretty bad. Um, Collins is not great defensively, but he's he's gotten better. Yeah, and he's like not terrible. No, he's yeah. not, and that's that's kind of the point that I always make is that you know there's this narrative that he was that he's still awful, which is not what the do case. You think he, like popped out as like slightly positive. I mean, like, maybe yeah, I think slightly positives in play for him. But you know this as well as I do, he was a terrible defender in college, and then he came in the league. Um, and Collins, I mean, was awful in college. He came in the league, was pretty bad early, and that's that stuck to him, which is okay. I, I get why, but now he's not that guy anymore. And honestly, what is the ceiling outcome for Toppin's defense? Uh, like like below league average. That's kind of what I think too. I, like, I think he's never going to be as like, good defensively Collins as Collins already is. He's at least like a good, a pretty good mover. Like yeah, and like he always has been. Like, I mean, and Hawks Hawks fans know this, but. I generally think that John Collins is now underrated, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not a homer. I'm not a guy who does this just to do it. But if you look at what John Collins is doing on offense, like I understand that the narrative is that you know Trey makes him better, all this stuff, and that, that that could be true. But you can't fake what he's been able to do on offense. Like his efficiency and his numbers and the way that he finishes with touch and stuff, you can't fake all that stuff. And it's not it's not a comparison, but you have to think about. That so with Obi. If like, you're trading Toppin for for Collins, you're effectively you're effectively tr- like sacrificing all of the defense for like pretty significantly improved passing, which is not a trade off I'd make for the Atlanta Hawks. No, um, and that's that's really the only thing that you can be confident that Toppin is going to do better than Collins on a basketball court is pass. Yeah, that's I, really the only thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be a pretty great passer, no doubt. Like, yeah, and that's fine. But, but he's like, also, also uh, big. He's going to be a horrible <laughs> defender. Like, yeah, he like like teams will like run pick and rolls at Trey and Obi every single time in the playoffs, and they're going to score like one point seven points per possession on those on those plays. Like, like Trey cannot defend anybody. And John Collins can't not John Collins, excuse me. Obi Toppin can't run any of the pick and roll coverages. Like he can't backpedal, he can't hedge. I mean, hedge is probably his best bet to survive because like it's more like straight line movement, and like he certainly can't switch. Um, no, like, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to pile on either. Like it's not enjoyable for me to be this way about Toppin because I think Toppin is yeah. a very useful prospect. It's just that I don't understand yeah. the notion a, that the Hawks should yeah, draft him. Like, he's a good prospect, like, no doubt. Like, yeah. he has some like, very unique skills, but he's, like, not, like, a top-five guy. Like, like, to, like, if he was 18 or, like, 19, like, maybe more sympathetic to that, but... Well, here, here's the thing about this. Um, the people that are really all in on Toppin 
And I, I don't know how they get there, but I've asked a few people that I think are smart. Honestly, I mean, they're not silly people. They're smart about basketball, but for some reason, they they see something about his defense that I just don't see. Yeah, and if you ask if you ask people about, I think it's just because they think he's going to be athletic and he'll figure, he'll figure it out. But he's that's my disconnect. Yeah. If you think he's going to be the I best mean, offensive player in the draft, I totally yeah. I totally get that because he's really really good on offense. It's oh, just the sure. other end. The thing about like. Like you'll see, I'll see people like tout his rim protection because he's like a crazy explosive vertical athlete. And yes, like like that vertical explosion in like transition dunks and even as a role man is great because he has like a runway. But like as a weak side rim protector, he just doesn't have like the load time uh, to like to explode. And like whereas like Onyeka is like an incredibly quick leaper, like he gets off the ground so fast um, and like to high point blocks. Like, like, Obi has to, like, bend his knees and sway his arm back before he jumps. Like, yes, like, when he does get off the ground, he gets very high. Like, no doubt. But, like, he doesn't have the vertical explosion to be a top-end weak side rim protector. And, like, he is, like, solid instinctually. Like, I think he's worse than Onyeka, again, instinctually. He's definitely not, like, dumb um, as a team defender. He's got good enough instincts. Like, I don't... Those aren't really concerning to me. But no. it's just the physical tools compounding. And, like, if you're playing... I certainly you can't play him at the five because of the pick and roll coverage. Like you can't play him at the four because he's going to get destroyed whenever he tries to guard the perimeter. So like, what do you do with well, him? Well, I'm glad you said that because that's that's honestly the biggest thing. You know, defense like, defense matters you, in a vacuum, but yeah, it's like who do you pair with him? That is these? that is my whole thing with Obi Toppin, especially on a team like Atlanta, where I'm not trying to do the whole thing again, but Trey's defense is not going to ever be good. So y- you know what you know you you know what you already have. Yes, they have the other wings that are hoping to be good on defense, all that stuff. But you have to have like a pretty perfect defensive front court partner for Obi Toppin. And that guy is like prime Draymond. And that's like, yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of it. And yeah. it's really, really hard to figure <laughs> yeah. you, you can't plan on that. You know what? I mean, guys like, like, okay, so let's just say Atlanta for a second. He can't play with Collins. At least not on a regular basis defensively. That's just not going to work. And if you, you play with Capella, like, okay, maybe that works on offense because Toppin is super skilled and can shoot a little bit. Um, but defensively, like, who is Toppin supposed to guard if Capella's on the court? Yeah, I mean, unless you're playing, like, the Pacers. like, like Yeah, there are certain I, matchups I, for anybody, but that is team-building-wise, like, t- take a step out of Atlanta yeah. for a second. Just broadly speaking with Toppin, who it's really, really hard to yeah. build a contending team with Obi Toppin as a primary starting guy for you. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think he's, like, like his, like, ideal role is, like, just, like, a god-tier, like, bench scorer. Like, he's, like, like just someone who, like, tears apart second units. Or, um, or you I, just find, I mean, or you just get super lucky and you find and the best defensive big man of all time combo big. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. impossible. Like, okay. If you're, you know, I, I guess the worst at this point in time, Draymond isn't the same Draymond anymore, but if, 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 if the Warriors just drafted Obi Toppin and said, look, we're just going to hope that Draymond can cover up for you or all the time. Or if like Miami drafted him. Like, yeah. With Bam, that's a good, that's a good example. Like if you, if you have someone who you think is like a legitimate all defense and not in a go bear way, like in a. Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo kind of way, sure. like, like one of those guys. Sure, like if you like gave Obi to the Lakers, like but there's only great. like three of those guys in the whole league. It's not like those guys grow on trees, and nope. the Lakers and Heat can't get Obi Toppin from where, from where they are. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to pile on Obi Toppin. I just think yeah. that in Atlanta, it's just, like it fun, fundamentally, like looking long term, like you just cannot win. Like I just don't think there's any way. You can really win titles with two players as hor- with two of your centerpieces being as bad at defense as Trey Young. Like, like, is, has there ever been like a title-winning team where like two of their main like centerpieces were like bottom of the league defenders? Especially not now. Like in in the modern game, you're just going to get targeted so much. And I, I understand that a lot of fans just don't care about defense. That's, that's something I've learned over and over again in the last five to ten years is that fans don't care about defense, which is fine. But I, I can't. It's hard to overstate how bad that pairing would be in pick and roll defense. Yeah. Like, I mean, even if you think like Obi is like not as terrible as I think, like compounding it with Trey Young, like you have to have like Eric Bledsoe. to like to, to pair with Obi as like a pick and roll defender. Or, well, like, that, Marcus, that's the like, thing. I mean, this is a whole, this is a whole different podcast, but the Hawks have decided already that, and with good reason, to build around Trey Young. Trey Young is an awesome prospect. Yeah, yeah I but mean, once you make true. that decision, you have to build around him intentionally. Yeah, like Trey is Trey is, I think, definitely a guy who you can win a title building around. But he's also like objectively a team building challenge. Like, yeah, and then, and that's not that's not shade at him to say. No. I think everyone kind of understands the deal here, and 
you know, the upside is really worth it and that he is so talented and so good already at this young age. But every decision you make, you have to at least think about the fact Absolutely. that eventually you're building a defense around Trey Young. Every decision you make with the Hawks is with Trey Young in mind, as it should be. Right, like, and, and he's that kind of he's that kind of player. Anybody. Like, unlike unlike honestly, the guy, that's, that's a compliment. We me, yeah, I was gonna say we we mentioned stuff like about the Bulls and the Cavs earlier. Those guys do not; those teams do not have a player to build around. The Hawks are ahead of the game, and that they already have Trey Young to build around. The problem is, or problems the problems are all worth. The question mark is, you have to then build around him. Like you have to intentionally think about what you're doing. And I think drafting anybody that has huge defensive challenges is hard and that means Obi Toppin it's easier on the perimeter almost honestly like bigs that are bad defenders are just tough in general <laughs> um and then you throw in the team stuff yeah. and yeah. being a bad defensive big is just like difficult in the league unless yeah. you're like like towns I was gonna say them. unless you're an absolute elite offensive player which honestly Toppin could be but like even then you kind of have to build around like towns is like almost the center version of Trey Young and the, Almost, fact, yeah. and the fact yeah. that Towns um, has physical tools to be a decent defender, but he's not really ever done it. And it's hard to yeah. build around Towns. Like, Towns is awesome. But team building wise, yeah, like, he's kind of hard. Towns is also, like, objectively a team building struggle. Yeah. Like, he's obviously great. And, like, the Wolves, um, I mean, again, like, I don't think they're doing the best the best job of building around Towns, especially not with some of the recent uh, acquisitions, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, like, Towns is a challenge, like, to be because of the defense. Like, building around a defensive, like, a serious defensive minus is hard. Like, like you, you just don't see title-winning title, built, title teams built around terrible defenders very often. And when you do, like, the team construction is perfect. Well, right, and that, that's the thing about all of this is that team construction, you have to get lucky along the way a little bit as well. Um, even, the, you know, the, even the best teams of the recent memory got had some luck along the way and when they build teams you have to get lucky but i don't know it's tough anyway uh last thing i want to ask you before we get out of here is forget i mean i guess take 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 lamello take edwards off the board just to be practical those guys are unavailable who does ben pfeiffer select at six as the atlanta hawks Every, everybody else is in play except for mellow and edwards oh man it's really tough you you, you, you you can go one A one B if you wanna if you wanna copy. Real really tough. Like they're gonna have like a, well I I mean it's not like totally realistic because like like Killian or Vassell or someone could be gone. Um, it's it's one of those two I think for me. Uh, Killian or Vassell? Yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not surprised that you would say that, and I think that I like have a very difficult like like I think Vassell is most definitely a better fit but I think Killian's definitely a better prospect so like it, it just take your pick <laughs> um though yeah. like again like Okoro or Maxi or Poku or even Pat Will or like it's the it's the like, ultimate uh, fits I would like, like by the by the way with how you think about it uh Hayes and Vassell is like the ultimate NBA draft conundrum if you view it through your prism like there's always the fit versus best available decision and yeah. that's that's kind of what that is in a lot of ways for you, for you anyway honestly I think actually I, I think I, just, I have to go Killian because like because uh, like Killian is not as bad not not bad enough of a fit to make me pick a worse prospect like he is like he's not like a bad fit he's just not ideal yeah I am I'm reserving uh judgment on that same question for myself until later in the process until sure. probably the last day but uh yeah I will I will say that those those two players are prominently involved in my evaluation as well uh along with the Coro and that might be, that might be one of, the, one of those three guys by the end but it's just interesting um and obviously it's almost likely that the Hawks will have one of those guys removed for, for them ahead of them. Um, but yeah. maybe not. I mean, there's this, I talked to Jonathan Washerman recently on this podcast and he thinks um, the most likely top five to go ahead of the Hawks is the three popular guys plus Denny and uh, Toppin. Yeah. That would be like a dream for Atlanta. That's like literally all of the options. Yeah, so, like, th- so then then you have everyone that we discussed basically on this everyone podcast. Everyone under the, table. the sun who would help them because like yeah. that's like that's like three of the biggest black holes to me off the board. I mean, Denny, I like we didn't talk about him. Like, I wouldn't hate that. Like, I get it. Yeah, like, I, I mean, don't love I, Denny, but like he like makes some sense. Like, I, I should have asked you about Denny along the way here, and I think we feel similarly about him in that at least I think that if they drafted Denny, I would not have any issue with it. Um, I also probably wouldn't take him at six i have um, a little issue with it just because like i think like 
it makes sense like that I think Denny like Pat Will like I talked about earlier is like at his ceiling a star role player but he also just like doesn't have the spot up that Atlanta needs like yeah I, I think the fit stuff is overstated because you could find people that are smart that I think believe Denny's like this great fit anywhere and I I get the theory of that um but I I worry about the upside more than anything his skills to me are like very additive like he raises the ceiling of a good team but he doesn't do much for a bad one if that makes sense I do agree with that I think he's a very functional potentially quality role player Um, yeah I I I can be a damn good role player yeah I I have a hard time seeing the ceiling with him which isn't like you don't have to disqualify him because of that, because in this draft at number six, right. that's totally fine in a like, lot of ways. Yeah. But um, if you just don't believe in the ceiling of anybody else, and like like right, that's your exactly. argument, exactly. Like, like I'm just gonna get the guy who I think can be a good role player, like who I think has the ceiling of a very quality role player, and you're a team that has your pieces in place. Like take Denny. Like right. I like like I've talked like we talked about this before. Like I think like Denny like actually fits really well in both Minnesota and Golden State. Like I wouldn't consider him that high. Just because of like the value, but like if they did it, I'd be like, I understand what you're thinking there. Like, well, right. And the thing about Denny is, um, I think practically speaking, in the real world, he's probably going to go in the top five. Like, there's so yeah, much like, buzz very, about him. Very realistically, see him going it too. Yeah, I, they might just take him if they if the, if the Warriors don't trade the pick, they might just take him. And then I think the Cavs could take him. I think the Bulls could take him. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I think the Bulls are actually quite likely, honestly. Yeah. So every time I ask someone who has Intel around the league if they think Denny will even be an option for the Hawks at six, they say no. So not not definitively for sure, but I think of the guys that the Hawks are likely to choose from, he's one of the ones that is most likely to not be available. So it's almost like they take him off the board for me. I wouldn't take him anyway at six, most likely. He's not one of my least favorite. Like I'd rather have him than Toppin at six. Um, yeah. Same. But it's uh, interesting anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, Ben, we, we've talked forever as we were prone to do. We, we could probably go another hour, but I'm not going to make you do that. Um, please uh, take a second and plug your podcast, which of which I am a subscriber and listener, and anything else that you got going on. Yes, absolutely. Um, like I've alluded to my show a couple times, I am co-host of the Preps of Pro NBA Draft podcast with my buddy Max Carlin. Um, yeah, we um, are ramping up production for the NBA Draft posted an episode last night at the day of recording this so that'll be like when we posted an episode tuesday the third um uh we're going to be having episodes throughout the coming weeks um two three maybe even four a week leading up to the draft um so plenty of content and then you know right after the draft is like college basketball so back again so we're gonna have to pivot really quick um so it's a college basketball and talk about the 21 draft and college basketball news. So we're every, for everything, um, as our namesake goes, for, for everything from prep to pro um, basketball, um, you can find something on the show. Yeah, you can subscribe, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we're on Twitter at prep number two pro pod, and we're doing a mailbag eventually. Um, I think we wouldn't have recorded it by the time this episode goes out. So if, if we haven't, get your questions in there. Um, if you want to ask about the Hawks, anything else I didn't ask here, we'll be happy to answer it. And um, we are, we also are doing a live broadcast so uh, on the on draft night. So if you don't want to listen to ESPN or for for whatever reason, I, I can't you know, uh, you know just if there was some <laughs> if if there's some if for some random um, unambiguous reason you didn't want to listen to any TV broadcast, uh, we'll be on Twitch. So come listen to Max and I react live to all of the shenanigans on draft night answer questions uh we have our friend we have we're gonna have like some actual production or at least that's that, that's the attempt yeah. we're gonna attempt it um you know might be able to sprinkle in some like live clips and stuff um we're we haven't like done this before and then that'll go out of the podcast like right after so if you missed that but hop into that like it's gonna be a lot of fun again once the hawks are on the clock you can bombard us with questions about <laughs> who they should take and why they took x player or why we are angry that they took x player um hopefully um hawks fans will be nicer to me because last year um my immediate draft reactions i gave the hawks um a big fat f yeah you and, you did not like the under and the, people, the under pick. and people really didn't like me for that uh, at least hawks fans didn't no um, they're so uh, protective yeah um uh yeah i mean i still probably would keep that i mean it's just like <laughs> it's just like the process is is my issue it's not like it, it's less like disliking hunter and more just like trading up for him is the bad thing no but uh, people are probably laughing because uh my i was higher on hunter than you 
um, yeah. like notably higher on her than yeah. you, and still killed the draft yeah. trade because it like because it, because like Cam was a good pick. Like yep. it's not even like agreed. Like it's just like trading up for like a guy like that is so disastrous. Like, yeah. I, it, I'm on I'm on a tangent. Yeah, like Prep the Pro is like <laughs> where I'm investing most of my draft energy. I don't know if I'm gonna have. Uh, like a, a publish like a final board like a preseason board for 2020 like in article form um just because time is, is is tough these days but i'll definitely have like like at least like i will publish something in terms of boards before the draft and before the college basketball season even if it's not like formal in the form of like a written piece so look out for that um just like various clips and takes on my timeline you can follow me at uh ben underscore pfeiffer underscore on twitter so yeah that's all the plugging i've got yeah, I mean, I, again, I said this before, but uh, I wouldn't just say this just because you're on the podcast. But I am a, a listener to every episode. I really enjoy it. I learn things. Uh, the guests That's are the guests good. are good. You and Max are good. I recommend the podcast if you're listening to this episode this long. You probably like the draft, and I would certainly jump over and check out the Prep to Pro guys. Ben, thank you for doing this uh, twice in the same cycle and still Absolutely. seven months apart, which is impossible, but it happened. <laughs> that's, so. that's that's ridiculous. It really is. Uh, anyway, please subscribe to this podcast. Check out Prep to Pro, follow Ben's work, and we will see you next time.